Today on the show, the Eucharist fights crime and much more. Lent fails. <laughs> Lent and fails. And uh, going through Lent with your temperament. All this, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts now. Turn my dial up a little bit uh, so that I can hear everything. Hi, it's time for the Catholic Underground. We're the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and, and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 417. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, Kathleen Lee, the teacherous Maximus at Our Lady of Mercy School in Baton Rouge. Hey, Kathleen. Hey. And Olivia Galino, student of life, resident Italian food critic, also here. It's true. I'm here. Yep. She does have being. Uh, And uh, if we go up to the satellite of Hope, uh, your Jeff Star One, Jeff Blackwell is sitting there. He is our technical director, and he's... uh, you know, manning the phones. I've given it all he's got there, Father. That's, that's right, exactly. He's got uh, <laughs> graphical readouts so that we can see the uh, the level of matter and antimatter there, keeping the satellite um, aloft, there we go. as it were. That's yeah. right. Uh, Ed Ball is the guy in the video case, so if you're listening to us in the podcast and you ever wonder what we look like and what we're doing, <laughs> if you want to match a face to a voice, uh, Ed's the one who makes sure that we look as if we know what we're doing mm. with video, you know? Alrighty, well, Lent is in full swing. Uh, you know that by seeing the hair on my face. Uh, Yay! <laughs> I have beard envy. Yes. I have Kathleen. beard envy. I must go to confession now. <laughs> Please, of all things, don't go to confession over the facial hair that I have because it's it's kind of splotchy. I look like a 13 year old, you know, like, um, it's, it's coming in. It's oh, a give full it a few beard. Days. No, you don't. You're going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, well, the one thing that it's very clear that I'm not a 13-year-old because a lot of this hair is gray now. It gets grayer every year. <laughs> it gets grayer every year. I wonder why that is. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're often running for Lent, and a good deal of our show today is about making our way through the Lenten season. But remember, we go through Lent so that we can arrive at Easter, right? Mm-hmm. To, yep. to arrive at Easter Sunday to, to prepare ourselves. And one of the great gifts that we receive every time we go to Mass is a little preview of Easter Sunday— whenever we receive the Eucharist, right? We receive Jesus Christ in his risen, glorified, though veiled form, right? He's veiled by the sacrament. That's what we say, is, is it is truly him. And, and so one of the things that has come about uh, in the history of the Church over many years, or many thousands of years now, is what's called Eucharistic adoration. Mm-hmm. And a lot of you may know about it. Uh, certainly Catholics who've been playing the home game for a long time, they, they know about Eucharistic adoration. Sure. And that is where you go to uh, adore the Lord, present in the Blessed Sacrament, in what's called a monstrance, mm-hmm. from the Latin word monstrare, huh? demonstrare, which is uh, is what we we say to, to when we demonstrate something, it means we're showing it. So a yeah. monstrance is what we what we use to show mm-hmm. uh, the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and so it is not uncommon in many cities to, to see the Blessed Sacrament uh, made present uh, in chapels and churches. In fact, it's really kind of cool whenever I was making my way through Europe uh, on the Camino mm-hmm. to stumble into a little church and see the Blessed Sacrament exposed mm-hmm. and uh, one person or a sacristan there keeping vigil with the Blessed Sacrament. So from 2008 to 2010 in Ciudad Juarez in northern Mexico, it was listed as one of the most dangerous cities in the world due to drug and gang-related violence. Yeah. And there's been a dramatic turnaround, and it's considered safer than several American cities, including Baltimore and New Orleans. Hmm. And so uh, Father Patricio Heilman believes that the change is due not just to you know police activity and neighborhood watch and right. things like that, but specifically 
to Eucharistic adoration. Uh, Father Hellman said, when a parish adores God day and night, the city is transformed. Uh, Jorge Gonzalez Nicolas, the uh, prosecutor from Ciudad Juarez, said, Juarez has suffered so much and has been through so much pain, but the city is reviving. It's a symbol of what can be done. There is no other place in the world that has managed to turn itself around so quickly. And, and that, I think, is really the, the thing that's most powerful about the Eucharist and why it's, it's so important for the Blessed Sacrament to be present in churches, you know? Uh, I don't know, uh, for those of you watching who may not be Catholic, whenever um, we—first of all, it's important to restate that we believe that Jesus Christ is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, is the whole Jesus Christ present in that under the species of that one small, tiny host, that, yeah. that piece of bread that has been, uh, that has been consecrated— by the power of the Holy Spirit through the priesthood. Hmm? Mm. And so those consecrated hosts are kept within the church in what's called the tabernacle. Huh? It's a, oftentimes a little golden box, as we mm. oftentimes say. And, and that is, is kind of like the beating heart, especially of a city like with a cathedral church or yeah. something like that. Um, Father Heilman told Radio Maria Argentina that missionaries opened the first perpetual adoration chapel in Juarez in 2013. said so at that time, 40 people a day were dying. 40 people a day oh, were dying wow. because two drug gangs were fighting over the city wow. to move drugs into the United States. Mm. Uh, they were the Juarez and um, Sinaloa cartels, the latter of which was led by uh, El Chapo mm. Guzman. Huh? Um, and so he was recently extradited from Mexico to the U.S. Father Heilman recalled that the parishes were saying that the war wasn't ending because a group of soldiers were with one gang and the police were with the other one. Mm. And they were killing people, burning houses down so they would leave and fighting over the city. And it was right after adoration uh, began that the murder rate started dropping dramatically. Mm. From 2010 to 2015, the murder rate dropped from a staggering 3,766 wow. to 256. Of course, wow. one murder is too many, but still, sure. that's, a, that's a significant <laughs> yeah. drop from in the, the 3,000, almost 4,000 range to less than than. 300, almost yeah. 250. In five years, yeah. In five sure. years, yeah. One of the parishes that was desperate asked the missionaries to open a perpetual adoration chapel because they assured that, quote, only Jesus is going to save us from this. Only Jesus can give us security, unquote. Mm -hmm. The missionaries took three days to establish the chapel, and um, and and that is what they, they credit with this really miraculous yeah. drop, huh? And now let's see. So uh, Father Heilman uh, in the article here told of one incident when the city was under a state of siege. A woman was on her way to the chapel to do her holy hour at 3 a.m. And we should mention uh, that in these areas of, of, the, of many towns, cities, where perpetual adoration chapels are, uh, people sign up for hour, holy hours to go and keep vigil with the Lord uh, as he asks us to do, um, to keep vigil with him for at least an hour. And so this uh, a perpetual adoration chapel is where uh, the Blessed Sacrament is exposed for the entire day and all through the night. So a woman was going at 3 a.m. to do her holy hour, and she was intercepted by six soldiers who asked her where she was heading. When the woman told them that she was going to the little chapel, the uniformed men asked her where that could be because everything was closed at that hour. And the woman suggested they accompany her to see for themselves. Clever. That's very <laughs> clever. Yeah. 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 You know, you always have to beware a holy woman, huh? <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, why don't you come and see? Gee, who else said that, huh? Yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah. said that. Oh, you want to see where I stay? Well, come and see. Huh? Mm -hmm. uh, so so uh, the, she leads them. They got to the chapel. The soldiers found six women making their holy hour at 3 a.m. as well. And she added, do you think you're protecting us? We're praying for you 24 hours a day, she mm -hmm. said. 
to the uh, to the guards. One of the uniformed men fell down holding his gun, crying in front of the Blessed Sacrament. The next day at three in the morning, they saw him in civilian clothes doing a holy hour, crying mm. oceans of tears. Mm. Within two months of the Adoration Chapel opening, the pastor, quote, calls us and says to us, Father, since the chapel was opened, there hasn't been one death in Juarez, and it's been two months since anyone has died. Mm. And in February of 2016, Pope Francis visited the formerly violence-torn city and spoke at a local prison. He said, let us together ask our God for the gift of conversion, the gift of tears. Let us ask him to give us open hearts like the Ninevites, open to his call, heard in the suffering faces of countless men and women. No more death, no more exploitation. There is always time to change and always a way out and always an opportunity. There is always the time to implore the mercy of God. And uh, unquote, end quote. That's very true. And uh, I guess you could also add to that any place where a pope mm-hmm. sets his feet, huh? Um, things often begin to change. Uh, Where the World Youth Days have been, Mm -hmm. oftentimes there is a radical change in in that city and sometimes even in the country. You know what's so beautiful about about Eucharistic Adoration is just recently, I mean, I I don't tout this a lot because I'm not super smart, but I do have a theology degree. Yes, she does. Um, And somebody recently asked me, I was talking to them about an event. I was like, oh, and there's going to be adoration. And they weren't Catholic. And they said, what's adoration? And it was like, the Flintstone stop, you know, and I was like, um, uh, um, you know, and I tried to explain it the best I could, but anytime I've ever tried to explain adoration, um, to anybody, it, it falls so, so, so incredibly short of just the experience. And yeah. you see these people in you know, the, the, this, the soldier, these women, the city, um, many, many people who have come into contact with, uh, with Jesus in the monstrous, in adoration, in um, you know, in the Eucharist, some of them know exactly what it is, and some of them have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yet every one of them is moved because of what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, not because of what you know what we Catholics believe it. You know, mm-hmm. or like what we say or whatever. It, it's because of what it is. Yeah. You know, and and it's so hard I, yeah I, that's that's like the worst question i ever get asked is like well what is adoration i'm like yeah, i just want to be like these women come and see yeah just come and sit with jesus you mm-hmm. know and and, uh, and what's so beautiful is a lot of times you know i'm talking to my students it's like man you think that you go in there and you look at jesus for an hour yeah man but you forget the whole point that jesus is looking right back at you that's mm-hmm. right Right. And he's like, one, like this is his desire is to be in these places. Yeah. Um, you know, not just in our in our beautiful, safe, security, you know, camera, you know, chapels that we have in the United States. Yeah. But um, in these dark, dark places mm-hmm. where, you know, Jesus is saying, take me there, take me there. Yeah. You know, I want to be there. Yep, exactly. And uh, I think the definition that you that you gave, mm-hmm. it's exactly the same one that John Vianney Mm. received. Uh, there's the story told about an old man that would go to Eucharistic adoration, just sitting, staring at the tabernacle. Mm. You know, it wasn't even the monstrance uh, where sure. the Blessed Sacrament was was present uh, visibly. And uh, the priest, uh, John, St. John Vianney, asked him what he was doing. And the man explained, I look at him and he looks back at me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how many times do we think about, um, you know, perhaps in our, in our most uh, kind of lovey-dovey, like, sure. I, I look at my lover Right, and yeah. my lover looks back at me, right? We have kind of this this saccharine mm-hmm. notion of being able to do that, um, you know, over a, a Lady in the Tramp style, you know, dinner, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But yeah. that's exactly what truly happens whenever yeah. we mm-hmm. come to Mass and we place ourselves in the presence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
we look at him and because we believe it is him even though we cannot see his eyeballs right yeah, sure. jesus is looking he is staring back at us mm-hmm. he's staring at us through eternity he's looking at us with the lovers glance yeah. and, and it is a it is a love that that is not lustful it is not usury sure. it is a love that that is um that is whole and right. full um and and one that beckons us mm-hmm. inward right mm-hmm. into him yeah. and and that also should be the way that we look at the eucharist i mean one of the things that we also see in many big cities is is um that and really even in small cities is that there where where uh, respect for the eucharist declines right respect for mass and the mm-hmm. sacraments declines uh, that's usually when evil begins to rise up you know yeah. And so it's important for priests to, to be unafraid about uh, making Eucharistic adoration, making uh, the Eucharist present in their communities, huh? mm-hmm. um, making, um, making opportunities for Eucharistic process- processions and things yeah. like that. I often think about that as well. I have I kind of been slow rolling in my parish assignments. Sure. I'm entering year five, saying, really, Father, year five, and you still <laughs> haven't done these things. It takes a while to yeah. establish things mm-hmm. you know, that have been asleep for a long time. But, but this is why, because the Lord Jesus Christ has power to transform um, that which is broken. And if we believe the Eucharist is him, then we simply must place him where he wishes to be placed. As you said, put me mm-hmm. there. Bring yeah. me to the poor. Bring me to the destitute. Bring me to the, to the violence. And let me transform it. Yeah, I love like a Eucharistic procession mm-hmm. because it's it's not only like you have to go into this chapel that's very quiet and there's candles and but it's like Jesus is in the streets and everybody encounters him yeah. whether you're Catholic or not. There's a, a beautiful beautiful um, short video by Grassroots Film called God in the Streets of New York City, mm-hmm. and it's a Eucharistic procession. procession in the streets of New York and to watch people like, you know, they do a beautiful job of, of capturing, um, the faces of the people who witness this. Mm -hmm. Like there's something about it that makes people stop and, and, and be quiet and be still and be like, what is this? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It arrests them. Yeah. 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 And And it's it's an incredible thing to see because I know if I see it, I'm like, Oh, Hey, you know, I I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, they may not have any idea, but there's something about it that says this is something holy and sacred and special. And you need to, you need to be reverent, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And you've probably seen that video of, uh, of the, on the college campus, um, Mm -hmm. see if we can find it and put it in the show notes of a priest making the Eucharistic procession. Mm-hmm. And there are these um, these young women who are obviously very angry, and I think they, they're touting themselves as the atheists on campus. Mm-hmm. And as the Eucharist comes by them, they are, they're dumbstruck. They, yeah. you know, they, stop, they stop spewing whatever it is they're yelling, right. and they, they let the Eucharist pass. They can't. And there's something, too, about that, that obviously the, the Eucharist, Jesus himself, is beautiful in the Blessed Sacrament. But when you see the people reverent, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When you see the priest vested, whenever you see the servers vested, and everyone seriously taking the Lord mm-hmm. seriously, yeah. right? Uh, then that has a power as well. That's sure. why. That's why our reverence. Uh, that's that's actually it's it's piety. It's a spiritual gift that's given to us at the day of our confirmation in its fullness. And piety, true piety, recognizing the liturgical services of the church, recognizing the Lord. Those are the things that can begin to transform because, you know, Jesus needs to use our bodies to be able to speak to the other members of the body of Christ, especially the ones that are hurting. And so when they see us, like this lady, right? Uh, oh, you, you want to see where I'm going? Mm-hmm. Well, come and see. Yeah. The Lord needs us to use our voices and to use our 
um, reverent postures and things like that so that we can show that the Eucharist is the core, the source, the summit of who we are as Catholics. Well, then we need to live like that. We need to, right. to, to, to show that in some way. So, yeah, um, uh, Maria in the chat mentions um, a, a book that was very helpful for her called Jesus, Our Eucharistic Love, and it's by Father Stefano Manelli, who is a conventional Franciscan. And uh, it's available um, for, for free if you want to read it uh, in the Fatima archive, mm-hmm. and we'll put it in uh, our show notes as well. And I'm sure you can find a, a paperback copy of it, but if you want to read it and not pay a thing except your internet provider bill, then we'll make sure that that link is available to you. Excellent. Well, yeah, and I'm looking forward to it too because I'm not familiar with that book. Yeah, I'm but not sure about that. A, a a conventional Franciscan who has a uh, a licentiant um, in in sacred theology, I'm all on board. Ding ding ding. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, we are on board with, and we hope you are too, is that we are the Catholic Underground. <laughs> You are listening to The Catholic Underground. We're online at catholicunderground.tv. I am Father Chris with hair. <laughs> Kathleen Lee also has hair, but yes, it's uh, evenly distributed on the top of her head. Thank you. And uh, Olivia Galino also be haired. Inhaired, yes. Yeah, yeah. inhaired, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff's got hair too. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> uh, hello there. It's under my cap here. Oh, oh that's true, yeah. What about yeah. Ed Ball? Ed Ball, well, nah. uh, you'll have to imagine it. Don't go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why we don't have a camera on him because you know. Although I tell you okay. this, I'm gonna pay for that. No, we I'll have tell to you this, preserve though. his mystery. That's why I've seen pictures. Camera. I've seen pictures of Ed with hair. Oh, what? I have no. at least one. His shoulders, yes. Yeah. yeah, and can I just say that Ed? I think I think your Captain Picard look is better. Okay. <laughs> okay. First of all, I need to blushing. see that. Second of all, I'm now imagining Ed with like a '90s like mustache. You know Ooh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think a if mustache. anybody could have rocked it, it could have been Ed. I'm, so. I'm, I, I vote this year. <laughs> Father Chris shaves his beard in stages. Oh. Ooh. First, oh. like yes. mutton uh. chops. Then a neck, well, a okay. neck beard. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, God. Then a, there, no, there'll be no neck beard. Yes. <laughs> I don't work in IT. Sorry, guys. I, 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 I mean, yeah. let, let's take a poll on Facebook. You want to see a neck beard? No, it's not going to happen. I don't, I don't, I don't let's crown to your foot. Let's crown foot. Back chat at Catholic Under. <laughs> no, no, no. I will say this. When I, when I do shave my, my beard off on, on Spy Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, I, I sometimes do do it in stages. Yeah. So, oh, come on. Okay, well, then at least just, like take pictures of the stages. But it's in the privacy of my own home. Uh, then take this yeah. year as an extra penance, offer it for souls, like take pictures <laughs> of the be. different stages, and then Kathleen and I will do what needs okay. best with them. Maybe, yes. maybe I will. Oh, I we'll know. raffle off the opportunity to shave his beard. Ooh, yeah. No, yes. No, no. <laughs> yes. I'm, very, I'm very particular about Fundraisers? Uh, what razor touches my face. I don't blame you. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen, we have talked your Speaking segment away. We're the, we've been the Catholic Under. Yeah. No, okay. So, Lent. Yes. It's uh, it's possible yes. to we, fail. It, it certainly is. If you are like me, raise your hand because we've all failed at one time yeah. or another with yeah, our yeah. Lenten promise. Okay. Rebooting's okay. Yes. Right? Yeah. And we all know that Lent, right, now we're, we're in it to win it. There's no going back. We got to go forward. Mm-hmm. For the next 40 days, we're focusing on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, yeah. right? And we're looking at our own lives and we're trying to wonder like where and evaluate, where does God fit in? Where mm-hmm. do we allow him in? Where do we need to allow him in? 
where do we need to fit him into our life? Yeah. Um, and so this is a great time to, to evaluate our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do that. Um, most of us give up, you know, some kind of creature comforts or we take up extra penances, um, as, or, both. At, or both as a part of Lent. And we, we, we start, you know, if you're like, not me, um, but other organized people, you start with a plan. This mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it for 40 days and it's going to be awesome. If you're like me at some point you fail <laughs> and it's very possible to do that. You know, we, it's like, you know, I, I've, it's very much like a new year's resolution by like January 5th. I'm like, gosh, dog it. I totally, you know, blew this out the water. So, so this is like, don't be like me. Is that what yes. you're saying? Okay. I okay. Gotcha. But here's the deal. We know that we're going to fail at some point. And for those of you who are perfect Lent, Lentoners, Lentoners. good for you. Okay. And that's that very like? awesome. Yeah. Um, but we know that there are ways that we can epically fail at mm-hmm. Lent. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go through some of these ways that we can do this. And so, you know, maybe you'll be looking out for these. Yeah, this um, is what this we call length. the via negativa, the yes. negative way. So this you'll know what you not don't to do. Go. So, yeah. But also know that, like, look, it, we're day what? Mm, four. Three or four into Lent. If you've already epically failed, try, try again. It's time to start over. Okay, yep. so uh, one of the ways that we can fail is we treat our penance like a New Year's resolution. Mm. Okay, so... Um, you know, New Year's resolutions, you know, we started last month. New Lent, these, new me. Right, right, yeah. And so we've decided, oh, we failed at that. Oh, let's restart at Lent, right? Um, while it's a great thing to do these things to improve your life, doing them just for this reason or giving up something just for, yeah. you know, for the, you know, for weight loss or because it's not good for us or, um, you know, it's not really a good idea, right? If you want to eat healthier and exercise more because you want to take care of the body that God gave you and the gift that is you, mm-hmm. awesome. That's mm-hmm. good. Right. But if you're doing it just so that, uh, you know, the bikini season is coming up and you want to look good in your swimsuit. Mm. Tell that to Jesus in the desert. Let's go a little bit deeper <laughs> than that. OK, so it's not like a New Year's resolution. Right. You know. Um, yeah. Oftentimes I, I, I have to kind of walk people back from they say, Well, yeah, yeah you know, I, I'm giving up a dessert or this and that and the other because I want to lose a little weight this uh, this Lent. I'm like. That's that's not the intent, right? Yeah, Uh, that's a byproduct of Lenten penance, right? Yeah, Jesus fasted forty days and forty nights, and at the end, he was hungry. The scriptures tell us that he probably lost a significant amount of weight. Right, but Jesus did not go into the desert to lose weight. Yeah, right. Yes, that was not the purpose. So let's go a little bit deeper this Lent. And what is the true meaning behind fasting, Mm -hmm. behind abstinence, behind giving something up? It's possible to be a little too into Lent. Yes, uh, you can become overly scrupulous, I like that word, Mm -hmm. about making your your Lenten fast or your Lenten, you know, um, promise, whatever, uh, making it perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. Those of us who are perfectionists and or have scrupulous tendencies can fall into the trap of wanting to make our, our penances as perfectly as possible. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. We've talked about this. We're all human beings and thus we all have a fallen nature. You are going to fail at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. That means that temptations are going to get the best of us at times. That time when, you know, uh, leftover king cake rolls around and you've given up sweets and you're just like, I oh, mean, it's here. I've got to eat it. It's going to, you're going to be tempted, Mm -hmm. right? It means that we can't and shouldn't really want to Mm -hmm. control people or unavoidable situations in which we may be tempted. Yeah. 
right? Um, do your best to stick, stick to your penance. This is important, but remember that the intention is better than the execution at times like these. Mm-hmm. That's not an excuse to fail, yeah. right? But, uh, but when you do, if you do, right? Don't beat yourself up. Right. Just start again. Because what Satan wants to do is he wants to divide and conquer your Lent, right. you know? Yeah. And so the you might actually experience a, a greater guilt, sure. you know, during this season. And to be able to say, well, I did. I, I, I ate the king cake. Right. But I'm not going to tomorrow. Right. You know? Exactly. And, and that's okay. Get back on the horse, so to speak. Yeah. And keep rolling. Sure. And talking about divide and conquer, right? Sometimes we want to compare our penance to those being made by others. Y'all, we are all in different places in our spiritual, you know, journeys. Some of us giving up that king cake or that cookie or whatever, that Coke uh, every day um, is, is going, is a lot. Some of us are going to be fasting every day, Mm -hmm. right? It's just where we are. And so I can't, I should not compare mine, my sacrifice to another's because we're all, again, it's the intention behind it. Yeah. What's good for one person is not necessarily good for another. That's true. Or where we are spiritually. And that's kind of the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Don't skip sacrificing anything or doing anything um, altogether. Yeah. Like, man, a lot of times we look at our lives and we're like, my life, I suffer enough. I'm always <laughs> talking to my kids about this. Look, you just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's an injustice. Just because it makes you a little uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that you are in dire suffering. Okay, but sometimes we look at our life and we're like, look, 2020 started off rough and I'm already suffering. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's penance enough. Come on, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is actually one of the reasons that, that we should enter into deeper penance, right? Right. To, to say, well, it has been a difficult 2020. Sure but I'm going to offer the difficulty that I've experienced as well as my Lenten penance. Right. And the Lord, the Lord takes that and as, a, as a pleasing offering, right. and he will bring those Easter graces. Right, Absolutely. and this is a great opportunity to, um, to reflect and spend some time um, with the passion of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the greatest things that I heard from a professor, uh, Dr. Brant Petrie said, Jesus didn't walk the way of the cross so we can follow him to the cross and stand there and look up at him and go, good job. Yeah. He walked the way of the cross that we could follow him and climb up on the cross next to him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bang, <laughs> right? That's, yeah. And, you know, like, what does this suffering mean? Yeah. And a lot of times, look, look, in my own life, the Lord isn't like, look, Kathleen, this is what your suffering means. Do you feel better about your life? No, right? <laughs> I, there's a lot of times where I struggle with suffering. What does it mean, Lord, mm-hmm. right? But the Lord is constantly calling me, inviting me into that that way of the cross, even when it's not Lent, yep. and saying your suffering means something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we look for loopholes, right? In the same in the same way, we're looking for loopholes to get out of something that's burdensome or that we don't like, um, you know. Um, but there, these are these are some of the ways that we can fail at Lent. Yep. Um, the main message is, and we, we may go through a few of these after the break, but. Try, try again. Yep, that's try, all you can do. And one of the things we'll try to do is come back after the break. We're the Catholic Underground. Stay right there. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. 
To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Uh, Lenten strings mean no, not Lent at all. <laughs> you found the Catholic Underground. Uh, we're online as always at CatholicUnderground.tv. And uh, Father Chris with Kathleen and Olivia and Jeff and Ed and the whole gang. And our picks of the week are coming up a little bit uh, later. But we thought we'd kind of continue this list here because yeah. you know we we don't um, we don't want to fail in our Lent, but it's no. possible to just kind of throw in the towel. And so we were talking about uh, finding loopholes because yeah. we can do that sometimes. We can say, oh, well, but you see, yeah. if I don't do this and I go over here, then it mm-hmm. would be possible maybe for me to do. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of times where we start off Lent and we're like, I'm going to do these eight things. Oh, yeah. Oof. Right. Okay. I don't do that anymore. Calm it down. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Pick one or two things that you can do well and that you can focus on and the rest i'm like again it's about the meaning behind it it's not about how much you do Mm -hmm. or how much you don't do or what's technically okay you know um, i mean I know teaching young people, they're Mm -hmm. always looking for the loop. But what if, that's Mm -hmm. my favorite, it's like, what if, okay, no, no, Mm -hmm. not what if. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, pick it and do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Don't look for an excuse. If you've taken on too much, then let some things go. Yeah. Right. And focus on what you need to. And actually, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a noob when it comes to, to being, um, kind of Lent intentional. Uh, and you're saying, well, Father, you're going to be 39 this year. Uh, what do you mean you're new at Lent? Uh, for many years of my life, I would take on too many Lenten practices, mm-hmm. and and I would try to juggle them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I do one significant thing, one significant, uh, you know, give up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even allow myself, because you can, on Sundays to to suspend it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. It's it's again because the Lord does not want us to do something that we are going to fail at. There's a difference between a test and a temptation. Yeah. Uh, the test of Lent is so that we will be victorious, sure. right? So that we can unite our suffering to the Lord by privating ourselves in some way, by depriving ourselves in some way, to give us a desire to be hungry for Jesus, right? Right. And, and so that's a test. Right. A temptation is so that we will fail. Yeah. And, and giving up something for Lent shouldn't be all about just temptation, but it should be saying, Lord, I want to be put to the test mm-hmm. so that I may be victorious. Yeah. So like, don't, don't overreach sure. so that you can kind of say, I'm going to be able to be punched in the chest. You know, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, choose something simple that you can do. Right. And there may be temptation that's, you know, that's part of it because we do have to experience temptation, sure. right? But, but allow yourself to be tested. Yeah. A good question to ask yourself is if the sacrifices you're making come from a place of pride yeah. or mm-hmm. a place of love of God. Right. Right. And, and if it's for the latter, right, and you're still struggling with something. Like if, if it's for the idea that this is coming from a place of pride. Yeah. Or perfectionism. Or, or perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Or look what I can do. Yeah. I'm going to challenge myself to the to the nth degree yeah. right and you're still struggling with something ask god to help you um learn to love your crosses mm-hmm. that's and the holy a weird, spirit's that's, good at that that's like a weird uh, like i've learned a lot of weird prayers like mm-hmm. lord can you help me 
um, to be joyful in my suffering. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to love you. I want this to, to be because I love you. Um, help me to love the cross that I bear. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Right? But it, it's, it's helpful. Yeah, oftentimes when we think about prayer, we think about, Lord, alleviate my suffering. Right. Lord, remove this chalice from me. Huh? Right. But whenever we truly begin to pray like Jesus because we want to be like him, we say, if I must drink of this chalice, Lord, give me the resolve to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, another way we can fail is uh, when we don't attend Mass again until Easter. Please don't do that. Don't do oh. that. If it's not Christmas, it's not Easter, well, then we don't have to go to Mass oh. until Lynn is over. Wrongo. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sorry, folks. While it's not mandatory to go to Mass more frequently than usual. It is mandatory to go to Mass on Sunday. Yes. And Holy Days of Obligation. Now, there's going to be so much rich liturgy that comes out of Lent. Right? And so much opportunity to go. I mean, like living, like say, of the cross and Taze prayer services and I mean the triduum comes around and it's just like oh my gosh I want to I want to set up a mat in church mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities we don't have to go to every one of them mm-hmm. right but you should maybe partake in something yeah more than what you're already doing that's right if that means that you need to go to mass on Sunday well, then maybe we should go to Mass yeah. on Sunday. Uh, right? yeah. Maybe you are going to Mass on Sunday and you're like, man, but I have, you know, Saturday mornings mm-hmm. free or I have, you know, a, uh, you know, a day during the week that I could go to an evening Mass or a morning. Well, hey, maybe you might want to see what the Lord, like, blesses you with in that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've never been to Mass and been like, well, that was a huge waste of time, <laughs> no. right? And the only time it was a huge waste of time is when, I made it that way, mm-hmm. right? When I came in, I was like, I had 50 things running through my mind. I'm not engaged in the liturgy. I'm thinking about what I have to do other than this. That's when I wasted my own time. But the Lord never wastes our time in the liturgy. That's right, especially when he's feeding us. Exactly. That's one of the things we forget about sometimes in Mass is that no matter what, the Lord wishes to feed us. You know, right. And uh, in fact, I, I kind of went on a mini tirade about this yesterday yeah. where, you know, we if you hear I don't get a lot out of mass. Mm. Well, it means that I'm already too full when I go in, sure. you know, mm-hmm. um, because mass is not about me getting anything out of it. Mass, the holy mass is what I go to do to worship God, because that is what God uh, deserves. That is what God's due is. It is me being just to God. Right. And God, who has no need of my praise, right, uh, I simply must worship him because he created me. Uh, God is always willing to, to make about a glorious exchange come sure. about. Because we have come to worship him, the Lord wishes to fill us. But that means when I come, I must empty myself before the altar. I must empty myself as a vessel and allow him to fill me. And then as a side effect, a byproduct, I may feel that I have gotten something out of it, huh? But the fulfillment comes not because of what I bring to God, but because of what I allow God to do to me because I am empty, I am present to him with whatever he wishes to give. Whether it is a small drop of water to cool my tongue or whether it is an overflowing torrent of wine at the, you know, filled to the brim uh, of my soul, uh, that, you know, not every mass is going to affect us in the same way emotionally but we have to be willing to go and empty ourselves out. Exactly. And part of that is is uh, drinking deep of the sacramental life of the church. Exactly. Specifically confession. Specifically confession. Yes. Now, there's we only need to go to Mass at, at Easter and Christmas, and we only need to go to confession at least once a year, right? Yes and no. Okay? <laughs> the, the, the thing is, at least, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once That's the very least, right? Yeah. If, if we are trying to look at our own life mm-hmm. and decide where it is that we are, we are fitting God in and where we aren't allowing him, a lot of that space is taken up by sin, yeah. by our own junk in our heart that we've mm-hmm. waited a whole year to get rid of. Yeah. Heart junk is the worst junk. Yes. And so, so if we are, if we are trying to approach the Lord empty and allow him to fill us, then we got to move some stuff out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is junk. Right. And a lot of it is, is, is things that we need to get, get rid of. Yeah. Right. And the par- parishes around the world, this is a time of penance. Mm-hmm. The time to do that. It's a time to clean the storerooms of our heart. Right. And so they are, um, you know, the light is on for you is a popular program where, um, parishes are having, uh, Lenten, um, confessions like in extended hours, they'll, they'll have your know, penance services whole nights where you can just go and go to confession. And I know, look, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. I confession is not my favorite thing. And I struggled with it and I do struggle with it for years. I can tell you all day long that it's the most beautiful sacrament ever. Um, but I still struggle with it myself. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't like to go and say, look, Lord, I know that I'm a religion teacher and you know, this is what I do with my life, but here's all my garbage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's so beautiful when you have a priest that just like, like Jesus mm-hmm. welcomes you in and says, mm-hmm. come on, come on. And, and you know. almost every priest, if not every priest I know does that because we ourselves must go to confession. We are sinners too. And we have plenty of garbage that we have to bring yeah. to the Lord. And, and he is not just a garbage collector. He is a true sanitation engineer. Yeah. He will say, I will take this. It will be incinerated in the ocean of mm-hmm. my mercy. And I will give you everything that you need. You thought the garbage was the stuff that you could just wallow around in and you feel safe in. Wait until you experience the torrents of my mercy. You right. know, absolutely. Exactly. I guess we should probably uh, leave a couple for the folks to yeah to look at uh, well, one of the things like just what I want I want to close with like just what, what I want you to do this is my challenge to you when whatever you pick whatever you decide do it with your whole heart yep do it do it quietly right mm-hmm. I want one of the worst things is when we start comparing and we start oh well I'm doing this and my I oh woe is me I can't do this mm-hmm. because I've given up coffee and I'm just gonna be a beast it's <laughs> like okay but do it with your whole heart and allow the Lord like to surprise you this Lent. Yeah. Um, if you put in, if you put in the work and the effort, he is going to bless you and reward you and draw you in closer to the cross, mm-hmm. which is what we all need um, in this season of Lent. That's right. Sure. And and as we continue that discussion about Lent, um, one of the things that uh, we also recognize about ourselves is that we're all different. Uh, yeah. Pretty much all of us here in the studio have different temperaments, mm-hmm. you know, or, or ways uh, that uh, that we look at life, that we look at the world, and that we think the world looks back at us. And uh, and so, Olivia, it's possible to kind of think about what to do for Lent based upon that temperament. Yeah, I think a lot of times when we pick something that we're going to do for Lent or something that we're going to give up or add in or whatever for Lent, we tend to look at like the kind of material aspects of our life, you know, like where, where do I spend the most, uh, most of my time, uh, what things am I most attached to? Yeah. But I think part of asking those questions is also realizing, okay, well, I'm drawn to certain things that Kathleen is not, yeah. that Father Chris True. is not, True. you know, not just because we're different people, you know, like even Kathleen and I are both female, but we're different instantiations of what it means to be female. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
like we also just have different personalities you know so yeah. like even though we grew up in the same place we're you know similar in age and and like we all we know have about the joys friends. of raising cane's chicken yeah. we are still different. amen right mm. we are 90 percent sweet tea um <laughs> and pearls um we have different personalities so you might have heard uh, i think we even talked about temperaments on our last show like mm-hmm. just naming yeah. them um but the it's actually a pretty ancient way of kind of um thinking about the human person um and but it's still used today not in the way that uh, hippocrates used it way back when um but it's a way of of looking at your different kind of like tendencies or inclinations or like qualities um, about yourself. And, and, you know, we live in a personality test kind of world, right? You can go on Buzzfeed and find out what kind of potato you are. Um, (laughs) I'm a russet. Thank you very much. Actually, I don't know. Organic red gold. I have no idea. Um, Yukon gold, baby. Yeah, that's true. And these these uh, these personalities or these temperaments, if you will, because they're they're Greek. Huh? Yeah, they have really weird names. They yes, and <laughs> so there's sanguine, mm-hmm. um, which is a if you you know know your your Greek and or Latin um, mm-hmm. is it. So the the four temperaments used to correspond to the four humors, and we're not going to talk about that because it's gross. <laughs> but if you like are looking at that word sanguine, and you're like a doctor or something, you're like, doesn't that mean blood? Yes, it does. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, there's some ancient Greek roots for these words that have to do with all yeah. the fluids that the body had. Yes, and I or, I'm or they thought to the that word the body fluid, had. So yeah. we're just going to move on. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's sanguine, there's choleric, there's melancholic, and phlegmatic. Mm. Um, and so again, all of these are like I don't want any of those words to describe me um (laughs) but they they're they're pretty uh recognizable once we think about it so sanguine um these are your like your life of the party type people like they're highly talkative enthusiastic social they're very active um they tend to be more extroverted and so they really enjoy being part of a crowd that's where they get their energy um, and they find that being that that outgoing charismatic person is like pretty easy, right? Mm-hmm. Comes very easily for them. Um, sometimes individuals that have this kind of personality have a hard time doing nothing, mm-hmm. um, and they can be a little more like risk seeking. Yeah. Um, choleric individuals tend to be extroverted as well, um, and, but they're also like very independent. They're decisive. They're goal oriented. They're ambitious. Um, and they have this kind of maybe like dominant result oriented outlook on life, um, which makes them natural leaders, but it can also make them maybe like hard to be a follower. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then sometimes, you know, the, the beautiful thing I love about the temperaments is that it doesn't just tell you like the good things about your personality. It also tells you like things that you might struggle with. Yeah. Um, and so choleric personalities sometimes can be short tempered, right. Or even like vengeful, um, then there's melancholic, um, and they're not, they're not like Eeyores, they're not like sad people, um, but they tend to be like analytical, very detail-oriented. They tend to be people who think deeply and feel things really deeply. They also tend to be introverted, um, and so like if there's a crowd of people, they're like really looking to not be in the center of attention, right? They're somewhere like near the punch bowl or offering to refill the chips, you know? <laughs> um, like most middle schoolers at party at uh, at dances, right? Yeah, that's right? Everybody's on the wall along the wall. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was always the the snack filler. Mm. Um but yeah, so they melancholic personalities tend to be kind of self-reliant, um thoughtful, maybe even a little anxious, reserved, um perfectionistic, right? 
And then you have phlegmatic and these are like some of my favorite people. If you know a phlegmatic, like they're just easygoing, they're very relaxed, they're peaceful, everything just kind of like slides off their back. I know right? why phlegmatics you like them. Because they're that, the opposite of me. Sounds like your boyfriend. <laughs> just say it. Yeah. What I know of Matthew, I bet he's a phlegmatic. I think he's melancholic, but he's also like I think he's partly phlegmatic yeah, too. So too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so sympathetic, care about other people. Um, sometimes they can, um, they're good at like problem solving. So yeah. it's like if there's a problem, even if it's like a huge problem in front of them, yeah. like they, they're just kind of like, okay, like, mm-hmm. you know, just roll up their sleeves and, and get to it. Um, yeah. so with all these temperaments, yeah. necessarily we say, oh, well, if these are the things you're, te- you're you tend towards, right then we can look at that in light of Lent. Exactly. So if you have a more melancholic personality, and granted, people have like, um, according to the temperaments, like theory, it's, you have like a, a dominant uh, personality kind of uh, characterization oh, yeah. and then a, a um, secondary one. So like, I'm like melancholic, phlegmatic. Kathleen, you said you were... I'm sanguine choleric. Sanguine choleric, right. <laughs> so um, one being like your dominant, and the second one being your secondary. So, but if you're like more predominantly melancholic then maybe something to think about during Lent is you know that perfectionistic streak that you have give it up right Mm -hmm. and this one like hurt me pretty deeply um but in the book the temperament God gave you it's said that um it's quoted that a melancholic so longs for heaven that he can never be happy with less than perfection here on earth right and that that can be like a hard pill to swallow so something to work on during Lent is realizing like well, I'm never on my own accord going to be able to make things perfect, right? Um, and that I, I, it's not dependent on me being perfect for people to love me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, including God, right. right? God looks at me in love, and he looks at all of me in love, even the things that I wish I could hide from him, and he loves them anyway. Yeah. Um, and so during Lent, maybe things that we can do are, are to work on giving up that perfectionism, right? So spend time in Eucharistic adoration. Like I was talking about earlier, let God look at you, yeah. right? And kind of wash over you that with that look of love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, give up negative self-talk, right? Recognize those patterns when I start to think about myself negatively and then just cut those out, right? As soon as you recognize I'm about to do it, just change your attention, focus on something else, you know? Um, you can practice saying no, create healthy boundaries. Ten, melancholics tend to be people who are just like, say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then create breaks in your schedule to free focus on the Lord, right? Um, mm-hmm. Use your, your detail-oriented self to schedule in time for Jesus, yeah. right? Which you can do. You can actually put that on your calendar. Yeah. You can put uh, 10 minutes prayer. Yeah, it you works. You can make an appointment with yourself, as they say. Put a little except reminder in your phone. Except you're making an appointment with the Lord. Exactly. And I know people that do that, especially during Lent, uh, at the hour of mercy at 3 mm-hmm. o'clock, right? They'll they'll put a little note in to either say the Divine Mercy Chaplet or just simply pause. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. It's a great thing to do. Um, so if you're a choleric personality, um, cholerics can be like, they're like, they live on extremes. I think St. Peter probably would have been like a choleric, right? Mm-hmm. They're either like great saints, great sinners. They, they're go, 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 right? Um and so sometimes, though, the, the key to, um, to realizing your goals, right, you have these goals, you're ambitious, and the key to realizing these goals is having control of a situation. But sometimes we can grasp too tightly, mm-hmm. right? So maybe something to work on during Lent, if you have this kind of personality, is, you know, choosing the right goal, but then surrendering, 
control, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's a hard thing to do. Um, but sometimes what we can do is we can get in our own way, right? If I'm going to take control of a situation, then I'm not allowing other people to breathe life into that situation. And I might be hampering what God's able to do in that situation. Mm -hmm. So some things that you can do to sacrifice control during Lent, add the litany of trust into your daily prayer routine. That's a really beautiful, really challenging prayer. It is. And especially if you pray it every day, watch the transformation. Um, you can also consecrate yourself to Our Lady, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus was the second person of the Trinity, is the second person of the Trinity, and he gave himself an, into the protection of Mary and Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. So consecrate yourself to Our Lady, consecrate yourself to Joseph, and Which, see by the what way, they is can do. Awesome! The I consecration know. to Saint Joseph mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yes, I'm, so I'm learning a lot. And that did you hear that, Jeff? I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Jeff mm-hmm. always says, "You know everything." No, I, no. I sure don't. <laughs> Let me tell you. There, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, so yeah, so that's choleric. That's choleric. Mm-hmm. Sanguine, um, these tend to be like your really social people, um, and but they might find it tempting to kind of go from task to task, event to event, um, and it can be hard to either persevere with one thing or to stay organized with all the different things you have going on. So maybe during Lent, resolve to give up disorganization, right? Or to, to when you say yes to something, like you mean yes, do it, right? Or go to it, whatever it is. Um, so some things that you could do in order to give up disorganization, you could write down things that you're going to do um, and kind of yep. give up on like, oh, I'll remember, right. you know, um, keep a calendar, keep a journal, whatever it is, whatever works, keep a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, you can resolve to end the night by tidying up your room or your desk or organize that closet that's, that's awesome been haunting you for years. Observance. Oof. Yeah. Oh. Just like end the day with, <laughs> with a tidy desk, Kathleen. You yeah. okay? I, fold, um, I make sure my laundry is folded. That's what I do. Right. Or you can even like sit down and write out a budget plan. Ugh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen is not having. Okay. Keep going. Olivia, All right, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. And then the last one, phlegmatic. Right. Um, so the phlegmatics are so easygoing that sometimes they can be like maybe even complacent. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but they're probably already pretty careful in their speech and thought, but maybe to the point of the people characterizing them as like detached, right. Or adaptable. Mm. Right. Um, and so maybe they fear conflict or confrontation. They just go along with what's happening. Yeah. Um, so maybe during Lent, you know, work on um, giving yourselves a little more like um, structure, a little more like um, kind of motivation, right? So give up the snooze button. Oh, that's a toughie. Make the shower a little colder, you mm. know? Um, add some structure into your daily prayer life, right? Give yourself a routine. Turn the television off by a certain time every night, right? Um, add that structure in that might keep you from falling into those complacent ways just because it's easy or it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, those are, are definitely, I mean, that could keep you going for 40 days. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and that's awesome that we're able to, to kind of use our personality or I should say our temperament in such a way that the Lord can use us, you know? All right, you know, one of the other things that we use this part of the show for, it's that time that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. All right, that first CU Pick of the Week. Uh, Kathleen has unfolded something yes. here, so I guess we better go with you <laughs> first. <laughs> no, of course. Okay, I like things. I like to buy things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I also like to buy things that are purposeful. So I found this company. This company has been popping up on my Facebook feed. Oh, so therefore. And haunting me. <laughs> Um, called Pura Vida. I think you're stalking Pura Vida right means then. live free and spend. I know. And then they, they stalk me and wear me down. And whoopsies, I buy 50 <laughs> things from them. 
But don't say just, they're listening right I now. Know. Anyway, keep going. Uh, but anyway, it's this it's this company that makes bracelets. And and what the the short end of the story is is two founders in 2010 um, went down to Costa Rica, where they 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 spent the summer down there, and they found these guys that were making bracelets. So they bought 400 bracelets from them. They brought them back to California and San Diego, and they like rapidly sold out. Mm -hmm. And so they started a company called Pura Vida, which means live free, um, where they partner with, with artisans, jewelry making artisans around the world, mm -hmm. um, to help sustain them, to help give them, um, you know, meaningful work. And, yeah. Meaningful and, work. And, and they, sustaining work. they have all these cool different, and I'm wearing three of them. If you're watching, um, I, I bought three of them. Oh, some of them are nice. braided. Some of them are not braided. Some of them have little charms on them. Oh. Um, they're pretty cool. And, um, you know, I like cool things. So Pura Vida. And I like supporting artisans around the world. So there you go. Pura Thanks. Vida. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Very yeah. Cool. yeah. Uh, Olivia. So my pick of the week is also jewelry related, oh, um, well. which was unintentional. But um, so it's called a company called Hello Adorn Jewelry. And it, it kind of similar to Kathleen. It's one of those things where, like, I saw it on Instagram and I kept seeing it. Yes. And they got me because I was like, oh cute and it's like kind of minimalist jewelry which is a trend right now mm -hmm. um and i'm not i don't like very like flashy things again like i'm melancholic i don't like to be the center of attention so like i like kind of understated things mm -hmm. um and so i actually the earrings i've been wearing i don't know if you can see it if you're watching um oh, they're, they look they're like, like little twisties yeah mm -hmm. um and they're it's i don't have double piercings but they're just little <gasps> like coils little twists yeah uh, and sold. yeah right they're and they're really comfortable i can wear them like i wear them to sleep and, and they don't like stab me in the, I love uh, it. Whatever this is behind my ear, um, but they are like really beautiful rings, really beautiful like necklaces, and all of it's kind of again that like minimalist. But the price point is pretty reasonable too. So no. if you're looking for, you know, gifts or just for yourself, hello adored. There you go. Uh, I will not be buying any earrings because I do not need them. Jeff, your pick of the week. <laughs> Nor do I. Uh, and another thing I don't need is a mustache uh, brush or comb. So. <laughs> That's right. Mustache brushes. Those are things. I know. Yeah. And I wish yeah. I uh, had something there that I could, uh, you know. Anyway. That's all right. Uh, my pick of the week is a really cool mixer I got to do some hands-on with uh and it's uh it's a very compact size but it is so powerful yeah um it's made by zoom it's called the live track l8 it's got six microphone inputs it's a small format mixer for podcasting or musicians built-in sd recorder which discreetly records each input to wow. its own file nice. it's got four headphone outputs with their own independent volume controls Six assign assignable sound pans. So if you have what? a little theme song That's or awesome. sound effects that you wanted to uh, you know, uh, assign to those, you could do that. Man, if we'd have had one of those back in the day, Jeff, we'd have been unstoppable. I know. <laughs> unstoppable. I know. Well, let, let, let's uh, We haven't stopped our, yet, though. Our, no, yeah. that's true. 12-in, yeah. 4-out uh, USB interface, uh, and they, it comes with some software. You can tie it into your laptop. Uh, automatic mix minus if you're having phone guests come Look in. Look at that. Yeah. Up to two and a half hours on four AA batteries, and it's only three ninety nine, four hundred bucks. That's so, insane! It is incredible, and the mic pre's are just super clean. They really sound great. Oh my! Oh right. my! So what oh is dear. your my pick your of the week? <laughs> okay, so on my day off, uh, I did have I had a funeral yesterday and a whole bunch of things uh, in the office, and so I I like to kind of I'll, I'll take the the clerics off mm -hmm. and go into Clark Kent mode and go into a bookstore. <laughs> And hope nobody can find me there. <laughs> and uh, and they have started publishing these uh, Star Trek illustrated handbooks for the different ships of the line. Oh. 
And so I geeked out. Uh, this is the uh, USS Enterprise NCC 1701 and 1701A, so the original series Enterprise. But what's really cool is if you're watching Star Trek Discovery, yeah. they, they show you from Captain Pike's Enterprise through. So they kind of have updated it for the new, the new shows. Really neat if you want to see some high-res uh, sh- uh, ships, yeah, because uh, I, of course, I do, and lots of cool illustrations, and it's a lot of some of the same stuff that I have in my technical manuals, but <laughs> it's presented in a new way. So I, I, um, I, I fell to the book. I mean, the they got floor plans there. and all that it's, kind of oh yeah, yeah, oh, it's cross sections, uniforms, it. rank insignia, all sorts yes. of stuff. Oh, I think man, I think dude. that I was supposed to be in the Navy in another life. Oh, I really do, I... or maybe the Space Force as things are now. You know. <laughs> Who to thunk it? But anyway, it's called uh, Star Trek: The USS Enterprise, NCC 1701 and 1701A, illustrated handbook. And there are there are those for the Enterprise D if you're a next gen fan, and uh, also other the other ships of the line, really high res renderings of them. So my, I'll put my. the the uh, the show notes link there as well. But you can usually find them um, in your more robust bookstores. And, and about as well. how much? This was this was twenty nine ninety five. Oh, good. Okay. Um, and so uh, you know, again, thirty dollars for a nice coffee table book. I like coffee table books. And my guests that come over, what's really cool is guests that will come over, they'll say, oh, I didn't know you liked dot, dot, dot. Yes. And so you can find out a lot about a person by the books in their coffee table. You know? Right there on the coffee table. And that's right, exactly. We need to do a Catholic <laughs> Underground book then so that Ooh. people can find out about us from yes. you, right? Yeah, we're always grateful for those of us who put us on their coffee table and their laptop, aren't we, Jeff? Indeed, yeah. This week, the Catholic Underground is possible because people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. An important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform. Also, leave a review. That helps a lot for us. That's for sure. And as always, if you want to find out more about who we are or what we do, catholicunderground.com is the place to go. You can subscribe to uh, the, the CU podcast as well as get all of our back episodes as well. Our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee. She's uh, our faith ninja and hope samurai this Lent. At Kaylee626 on the Instagram. Yep, there I am. Yeah, Olivia Galino. She's at the.real.omg yes. on all of her social media contacts. Yes. So you can get to know her a little bit better outside of the show, right? Jeff Blackwell is our technical director up on the Jeff Star one. He's at jeffblackwell.us and at jeffblackwellus on Instagram and Twitter. There you right. go. Yep, there it is. Uh, our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Our video and our graphics director has been Ed Ball. You know me, I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Digital Catholic. And uh, we hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We are on our Lenten journey, and we will see you next time.